Welcome to the Whiteboard Session, Examining Our Faith, based on Luther's Small Catechism. This week, Pastor Jung talks about the second article of the Apostles' Creed, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's listen in. Uh, welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for uh, visiting our site again. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Jung from uh, Faith Moore Park. Uh, we're continuing on with the Apostles' Creed as we journeyed through the second article. Now, uh, to give you a review, the first article, as we uh, heard the previous week, was about the Father and the creation and all that He gives, whether it was our being, um, um, our daily bread, um, our protection against all evil, and even the motive of why He does this, not out of any merit or worthiness in me, but all by the divine fatherly goodness that our Father gives and uh, wants to uh, provide for us uh, through His means. And that's the Father we have, but um, it doesn't end there. Uh, he sends His Son, Jesus, and today we're going to talk about who Jesus is and, and what He has done and why He has done it. And uh, basically, Jesus is the crux of our, of our foundation of uh, why we are Christian. Uh, so as we continue here uh, with the redemption, that is the title of the second article, Redemption. So as we see the, the, the theme of redemption in the second article, why don't we read uh, straight out of the Catechism, uh, the second article of uh, the Creed, also along with its explanation. So it reads, um, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. Uh, the third day He rose again from the dead. Um, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence, He will come to judge the living and the dead. Now, what does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with His holy precious blood and with His innocent suffering and death, that I may be His own and live under Him in His kingdom and serve Him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. All right, so today, as we read the second article there, we must ask the question, who is Jesus? Well, as it says, in the Catechism, that I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, is also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, and this is my Lord. This is who Jesus is. He is true God, and He is true man, that He died on the cross, that He went to the cross for our sins, where there He took upon our sin and shed His body and blood, uh, paying the penalty for the for our sins, paying that punishment that we should have deserved, but yet Jesus took upon our wrath and went to the cross and died for them. Not only did He die on the cross, but He descended into hell to proclaim victory over death and all the forces of darkness, as it reads in 1 Peter 3, 18 and 19. But also He rose from the grave, all this to deliver us, to make that stamp of approval 
that our sins are forgiven, that He is indeed the acceptable sacrifice to all the world. We're there in that empty tomb proves to us that we are reconciled with God. And it's through His resurrection that we believe in a Christ who is alive, who has risen from the dead. For as St. Paul had said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 17, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. That is, your faith is useless, and you are still in your sins. So if Christ has not been raised, the faith in Christ Jesus would be, would be useless. It would be nothing. It would be a joke. And thus we would still be in our sins. So the empty tomb, the resurrection of our Lord, is, is the core of what we believe. Um, as he says in John 14, Jesus says, Because I live, you also will live. And that is who our Jesus is. Now, who is Jesus? What does his name mean? Jesus, Matthew 1.21, you will name him Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. It's the angel telling Mary who this Jesus will be as this Virgin Mary uh, was to bear this child to be the Savior of the world. That Jesus is his name, he will save people from their sins, but also Christ, Jesus Christ. Christ, Christos, is the, as it's translated, as the anointed one. The one who was set apart, made holy, to be the chosen one, the Savior of the world, to die for our sins. And this holy God-man was the anointed one. The chosen one set apart to do the very work we cannot do, and that is to be the Savior of the world, to stand in our place, to be our substitute for our sin. Okay, so as we continue today, uh, we look through the explanation here, and I don't know if uh, you can see it on, on the lettering. I don't know if Jeff is going to uh, put it up or not, but if he does, cool. If not, that's cool too. Uh, but when we talk about, when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, uh, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered un under Pontius Pilate, I think today we're going to really examine uh, what this all means in a sense of these questions. What has He done? Why did He do it? And what does this all mean? So what has He done? When we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, we must ask, why do I believe in Jesus? What has he done? And as it says in our explanation, it reads, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person? So think about that. I believe that Jesus is true God, true man, born of the Virgin Mary. He is my Lord who has redeemed me a lost and condemned person. Redemption. What does redemption mean? And many people will say, to redeem. Right? Is that what people say when we talk about redemption? And I don't know why I drew an arrow like that. I've never done that in my life. Strange. Interesting. Profound. But we see to redeem. What does it mean to redeem? That is, that's the arrow that I usually do, to pay back, or to buy back, or through the work of paying back and buying back, 
The result is setting us free from captivity. I always tell my children about uh, this word redemption, and it always reminds me of Chuck E. Cheese. I know that place is, uh, you got to pray before you get in there you know, for patience and, and, uh, and uh, to endure all the lights and sounds of all those video games. Uh, but anyways, uh, when we talk about redemption, it is uh, playing those ticket games and wanting to, uh, you see that prize at the prize counter, and in order to redeem that prize, you need to pay with tickets. Now, Jesus, to redeem us, to buy and pay us back from that captivity of sin, death, and the power of the devil, the only way to get us back, to buy us back, is by his own body and blood. Not by money, silver, or gold, or uh, the tickets at the Chuck E. Cheese line, but it is his very own body and blood so you may be set free from captivity. Captivity. This is what we're going to talk about very soon. But some key texts here. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20a, For you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. You didn't, you didn't buy. I didn't buy. Jeff didn't buy. But you were bought. Someone loved you so much that this someone knew that you could not save yourself. That he, out of his grace and mercy, would buy you back, even though we don't deserve it at all. We don't deserve it. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He buys you back by laying his life down for the sheep. That is the good shepherd. So, Speaking of captivity, why do we need to be bought back? Because we need to ask the question, who am I? Now, to understand who am I, this understanding will bring us to know why we need the redemption. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father, again, He is also God and He's also man, born of the Virgin Mary, there we see uh, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person. That's who we are. Ever since the fall in the garden, we very well know uh, that we have inherited sin. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.19, through the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. Ephesians 2.1, by nature we are children of wrath. Isaiah 64.6, that even our most righteous works are like filthy rags. So when we talk about our state, you guys, when I know that I'm a lost and condemned person, I need someone to get me back on the road. You know, I'm not a camper, nor a nature, or any type of dirt-related thing. <laughs> I can never... Anyways, if I was lost in the wilderness and I didn't have my compass... Um, I would be, I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably be eaten by a bear. Quickly. Or taken by an eagle and being <laughs> carried away. But the point is, is that when I'm lost, I'm lost. I don't know where to go. I need the SOS, right? The, the flare and 
and um, the, the fire to show this is where I am and I need help. Right? But if we tell ourselves, no, I, I am a good person, I'm not lost, I am found, I'm not condemned, but I am with God because I am a good person, I know that um, I deserve to be with God, I measure up because, well, uh, I'm not a sinner, how dare you call me a sinner? Maybe some of you think that way too. How dare you call me a sinner? How do you know who I am? Again, I might not know you personally. Well, I probably don't know you personally, but what I do know is that According to scripture, ever since the fall in the garden, Genesis uh, 3, uh, we very well know that uh, there, with that problem of sin, death has come into the world. The condemned state has come into the world. Being lost because of sin has come into the world. This is what we were born into. And when we understand this reality of sin, you guys, we understand that we cannot resuscitate ourselves. You know, I can't get out those, um, I was telling Jeff how I like those uh, medical dramas, and we, we can't take out the paddles, you know, and, and clear, we can't, we can't clear ourselves by our own strength. We just can't. I can't just say, I'm going to get rid of my sin and be better, and I'm going to be perfect, and God's going to love me because I will be perfect, and I will inherit and deserve eternal life by my own works. Um, I'm going to resuscitate myself, no? Uh, the picture looks like... Uh, the story of Lazarus um, in John 11, where he was dead for several days. I mean, even his sisters were bummed. They, they were crying and weeping. Um, and Jesus, by the power in his word, says, get up, come out. And even with that stench, Lazarus woke up. He rose from the dead. He didn't wake up, but he was dead. He rose from the dead and he came out. That is a picture of our salvation, uh, that we need someone to raise us up, to rescue us from that lost and condemned state. Very important. Because if you think you're half lost or half condemned, then your faith fails to see what Christ has done. Your faith will eventually be about yourself. And if your faith is about yourself, there will be a lot of doubt and a lack of assurance and a lot of terror at the end. Because it, Honestly, if our faith is in ourselves, there's no faith at all. Um, and knowing this spiritual problem of being lost and condemned, there we see the redemption in full force. We were bought with a price, right? We were bought with a price. So as we continue about the redemption, uh, that he redeems me, a lost and condemned person, right? Through that redemption, how does he do it? Jesus Christ, he purchased and won for me, right? He purchased and won for me. From sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but by his precious body and blood, there he bought and he won me because he loves me. He loves you. He endured the cross, all the pain and suffering, so that you may be set free from your sin, so that you may be God's own. He bought you. He won you. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life, purchase, one, ransom, 
Any hostage situation. Such a great, it's like that, uh, uh, it's the movie with um, Mel Gibson, Ransom, probably 1995, I think, where uh, they, I forgot the story because it's been a while, but what I do know is that they had to pay the price to set their, uh, to set their kidnapped boy free. And they had to pay a price with a, usually kind of like a, not a teardrop, but a bag of money. See it? Bag of money. And here we see that that's how ransoms are usually, uh, that's how ransoms are usually paid by, by money to set the captive free. Now, to set, us cap to set us free from our captivity of sin and death and the power of the devil, it is by the ransom of Christ's body and blood that he purchased and won for us through his work upon the cross. Right? So even the Son of Man came uh, not to be served, right? Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve God to man, Jesus coming down, purchasing and winning for us through his body and blood as the ransom for many so that we may be with him. And the result, as we see it, is that we are purchased for our sins so that these sins may be washed away. Purchased and won, redemption. What does he purchase or win or redeem us from? From our sins, right? He comes to take our sins upon himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin. Right? Christ came to the world to be sin for us. Christ didn't know sin because he is God, perfect, innocent, and holy. But by his grace, he came um, uh, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. Through his work upon the cross, there we are made righteous, because our sins were charged to Christ. And through his work upon the cross, the result is our own righteousness that we are made right with God, justified before God, all by the body and blood of Jesus, who took our sin upon himself. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Curse. That's the result of our sin. Jesus took upon that curse, all upon himself, so that, it may, uh, so that we may be freed from that, um, from that captivity. Jesus redeems us from our sins. All right. So as he uh, redeems us by paying us back, by paying for us, uh, by, by buying us back, by purchasing and winning for us by his body and blood upon the cross, not only is it for our sins, but for our death. Right? Again, as I said earlier, we cannot make ourselves alive. Death is a reality, my friends. We're all going to die one day. That is something that, uh, as Christians, though it is a sad, grieving moment, it is not without hope. It is of that joyous expectation that uh, through the promise of Christ and what he has done for us, well, that death has lost its sting. 1 Peter 1.3, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. What is this living hope? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because of the death of Christ, there in his resurrection, as he broke the grave on the third day after his death on Good Friday, we very well know that that empty tomb shows us that no longer is death our eternal anchor. 
You know, it's not going to be like that anchor in the sea where we're floating with that anchor, wondering where we're going to go and, and not being able to move because we're stuck to this ball and chain or this anchor and chain. I don't know what they call it, but we see that uh, we have been set free from that. We have been cut off or cut away from that death because through the resurrection of Christ, we have and now we live in hope of eternal life where death has lost its sting. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 to 57, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is a law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Another great funeral text that we so often use, because how true it is. O death, where is your victory? Now, a lot of people in this world think that, I know I'm yelling right now, I don't know why, but our, <laughs> that death uh, is, uh, well, it, it's, a, it's a loss, it's a defeat. That there is no, nothing further than the end point of death. But for us Christians, as St. Paul would say, oh, death, where is your victory? There is, in, in victory, there is more, in, in death, that is not the end. Oh, death, where is your sting? Uh, we see right here, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. No longer, though we still succumb to death, no longer is that our eternal end because Jesus died for us. Not only did he die for us, but he proved that this death uh, was, um, that we have crossed over from death to life all by the gift of his resurrection. All right, number three, uh, Jesus in his redemption purchases one for us from our sin, from our death, and now from the power of the devil, the, the, diabolic, the diabolical one, right? We see the power of the devil. Now, the devil is like a devouring lion, right? Ready to attack, as it says in 1 Peter. That is who he is. He is the, uh, the, 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 the prince of lies. He is a master of so many different arts, so many different assaults, so many different attacks. And sometimes even in life as you face things, especially the, the reality of our flesh and the spiritual forces of darkness, how the devil can really put us around his finger. And after all, in the, in the garden, we very well know that Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan himself to turn away from the word of God and his promises. And likewise, he continues to do that in our daily lives. But why did Jesus come to redeem us? To destroy the devil's work. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Genesis 3 reads uh, to the point of, uh, yes, you will... Uh, you, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. Yeah, Jesus indeed would definitely die for the sins of the world, but that would not completely destroy him because Jesus is God. He overcame uh, that death by rising to the newness of life uh, in that resurrection. But also in that work, we see the devil being crushed, his head being crushed, the power of the devil destroyed. Yes, indeed, uh, when we speak of Jesus and what he has done uh, from sin, death, and the power of the devil. 
we very well know that he accomplished this, not with gold or silver, as it reads in the Catechism, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. Right? Not with gold or silver. He did not take out his debit card and says, look, how much do I have to pay for the sins of the world? That is not how it works. We cannot pay for our sins. Right? Whether it's with monetary uh, uh, currency or, uh, or moral currency, right? Uh, or self-righteousness or legalism, we cannot. We can never measure up to God. And that's the thing. It's very important to know uh, that we understand this clearly because a lot of people will think that it's a 50-50 transaction. Like, I do my 50%, Jesus did his 50% upon the cross, and that's how we meet, and that's how I know I'm in heaven. No, it's 100% Jesus. All of his work, as he purchased and won for us, not by gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood. Not any blood, right? With his holy precious blood. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the scorn or the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we were healed. Because Jesus is holy. Because Jesus is innocent. This all points to his sinless perfection. That is a lamb without blemish, as St. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this lamb without blemish, needed to be without blemish to be this perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus was faithful till the end. He was obedient to the Father's will. He never felt a sin, though he was tempted by the devil in the desert, in the wilderness, after his baptism. He overcame the devil by the very word of God. He is obedient to the Father's will without any sin, and therefore, as the God-man Jesus Christ, He was the perfect sacrifice for you. He was a perfect punishment for your sins. And this, my friends, is why we have great faith in who Jesus is and what He has done for us. Because in Him and only Him, there we have the forgiveness of sins, life eternal, and salvation. He is the source of all of this blessing from sin, death, and the power of the devil. How does he do it? By his holy, precious blood, his innocent suffering and death. Because he is sinless and perfect, because he is uh, a God and faithful to his will, there he shows us that he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. No one, no one else. I can't die for you. Jeff can't die for you. No one really can die for you. Especially when it comes to eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation. Only Christ. Now as we continue on, we must ask the question, why? Why does Jesus go through all this pain for you. Why would Jesus be incarnated? That is, uh, uh, that he is made in the flesh, that he was born in this flesh. Why would God come down in the form of a man uh, to muddy himself with us, this humanity, this lost and separated from God humanity? Why would God do such a thing? 
Now, similar to what we learned in the first article of the Creed about why would God provide for us? Is it because we brought merit to the table and therefore he provides for only those who are uh, uh, meritoriously acceptable? Does that make sense? I don't know. But I think you know what I mean. Uh, or, or, does he, or does the Father just do it out of uh, simply his divine goodness without any uh, favor or merit within ourselves? And we see in the first article of Creed, that's precisely so. God provides for everyone, not just for those that are good. And he says, I will shower you with gifts if you are good. Or, or if, uh, if you don't do good, then you'll have that lightning bolt on you and you wonder, what did I do in my past life uh, to deserve this kind of misfortune? That's not how it works, right? We know that God provides for all people. And likewise, when we talk about uh, the salvation gift of Jesus Christ, we must ask why. Why is Jesus faithful to the end? Why does he need to be faithful to the end? And as it says in our catechism, it reads in the last paragraph, so that I may be his own. This is the motive of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, so that you may be with God. Now, this is the love of God in Christ Jesus. This is how much he loves you, my friends. That though we don't deserve, because of our sin, when you look in the mirror of the law, you very well know that you have fallen short to the glory of God. Me too. I very well know that as well. But when we dwell upon the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to die for sinners, why did he do it? So that you or I, all of us, may be his own. This is words of reconciliation. Buying back in the redemption to bring us back one with God. I may be his own. This is the motive of Christ. Not any motive or, or a selfish motive of his own, but his motive was you, to take you home, to make you one with God in Christ as his children, reconciling you uh, through the dying on the cross for your sins. Now you are confident and assured that you are with God. This is the work of Christ. This is why he came to the world, for you. And therefore, we have great assurance and great comfort knowing that now, as it reads in the Catechism, we live under him in his kingdom. Those that believe in Jesus Christ live in his kingdom, which has no end, right? His kingdom, and as we live in his kingdom, as it says in the Catechism, we serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. Through the body and blood of Jesus, we very well know that um, we are made right with God. We are um, innocent and deemed blameless in front of God. We are blessed because we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And in this Christ, in Christ, we serve honoring, loving God in our neighbor through the reconciliation that Jesus gives through, be, through us being his own and the great comfort and rejoice with, that we have all by the work of Christ in his body and blood who is the redemption, who has saved us from sin, death, and the power of the devil, and who, in the end of the day, has brought us into his flock. So friends, today as we conclude, remember this. What did Jesus come to do, and why did he come to do it? We are lost and condemned, but Jesus has brought us back to life. You were bought with a price. And there Jesus is to do this very task. 
to stand in your place, to be your almighty substitute, to be whipped to the point of not even having a semblance of who he was upon the cross. That's the great punishment that he faced. All for you, so that you may be his own through the reconciliatory work of the cross, forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, and now this is who you are, not by your work, but by the work of Christ. Friends, may this be uh, your comfort this day as you continue to dwell upon the promises of God in Christ Jesus, knowing that in Christ Jesus, there, as he said from the cross, to tell us thy, it is finished. And it is, by his body and blood, all has been perfected and completed by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. And dear Holy Father, we, we are blessed for this day, knowing that you have given us this day in Christ Jesus, that you continue to give us the comfort, knowing that in your promises, through the work upon the cross and the empty tomb, there we have our victory. May this always be our comfort in the midst of the chaos we might face. Uh, may may uh, we see the suffering of Christ in the midst of our own suffering, knowing that through all things, O oh Lord, uh, you have made us your own by your grace. Bless us as we dig through your word and grant us your safety through all things. We thank you for this day, O Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May you all have a good week. Thanks for listening to this study on Luther's Small Catechism. We hope this was helpful as you grow in the Christian faith and study of the Bible. For more information about Faith Lutheran Church, visit us on the web at faithmorepark.com.